Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So around here, we try to sometimes be as honest as we possibly can. I mean, hopefully we're always honest as we possibly can. But there are some days in which more candor is required than others. This is kind of one of those days in which sometimes we just like stirring the pot. I mean, sometimes we just like, you know, trying to sort of add a little spice into the gumbo because let's face it, it is a long season and there are some weeks in which the sell is pretty easy for the upcoming game. When you're playing, you know, a top ranked team in Athens, for instance, obviously, you know what the stakes are. When you're going on the road with a chance to clench the SEC East and punch your ticket for Atlanta, you know what the stakes are. And that's kind of what the story has been for Georgia the last couple of weeks. But here this particular Saturday, uh, as you get ready to travel to Kentucky, where it's expected to be very cold once again, the stakes are a little more difficult to define. I mean, yes, we do genuinely believe that Georgia has a lot to gain by being 13-0. and And even if you're going to be in the SEC championship game, and even if you're going to be a favorite in that SEC championship game, if you're 13-0, and if you're obviously clearly the number one seed going into the college football playoff, you have a chance to play that game in Atlanta. You've heard me say this before, that a Peach Bowl semifinal game is far more advantageous to Georgia than a Fiesta Bowl in Arizona would be. The level of travel you'd have to endured when the national championship is just kind of different kind of thing that if you could play that semifinal game in your own backyard of course you'd want to do that but that's more of like a a practical reality but as human beings we're not really logical creatures we're more emotional creatures and so if you really want to get fired up for a game like travel logistics is not the most potent force of motivation I'll totally acknowledge that that the the better source of motivation for a game like this is something that sort of tugs on your emotions a little bit. So that's what we're going to do. And I have to admit something. I had totally forgotten about this. This was something we made a big deal about back in the summer because, you know, we just kind of like having fun around here. And if somebody says something crazy, we're going to jump up and down and make a big deal about it. And somebody yesterday in one of our comment sections, and I wish I could give credit to the commenter who did this uh, because I had actually forgotten about this. And this is almost like, like the old school FM radio request line type thing of, you know, hey, we're playing the hits. Call us up and let you know, let us know what you want to hear. Well, somebody yesterday was like, B.A., don't forget about what uh, the Kentucky assistant coach said back during the summer. And the honest truth is I had forgotten about this. So here is our attempt telegraphing our intentions here to sort of stir the pot, sort of fan the flames, sort of create some bulletin board material. This is sort of classic podcast, you know, streaming video type behavior here we're going to pull a quote we're going to make it a big deal about it as a way of kind of trying to sort of <laughs> create the proper level of energy going to the game on saturday vince marrow longtime kentucky assistant been with the program i believe since 2012 tight ends coach recruiting coordinator this guy that's been pretty closely tied there with mark stoops in lexington and back during the off season he made an appearance with are you familiar with kentucky sports radio that's ksr uh, matt jones a group of people there that kind of cover the team and marrow on the show back during the offseason was talking about the fact that they had the georgia game circled now first thing he says here is sort of fine and then it kind of takes a little bit of a different kind of turn after that so let me let you hear from the summer first clip of vince marrow kentucky assistant coach this isn't like you know uh you know uk big guy you know on, on on message board this is like a actual kentucky assistant on an actual radio program here is vince marrow talking about georgia from the summer take a listen to this 
You have said that in order for Kentucky to do what you want to do, the next step is beating Georgia. But what will it take for this program to take that next step to beat Georgia? So, I don't know if you remember 18. We were not ready for that game mm-hmm. when it was AB with CBS. And you could AB. tell early. I mean, yes. we, we fought hard, yes. but you could tell it wasn't going to yes. be there. Yeah. But when we played them last year and went down there, I'm telling you, our guys went in. We were not, you know, it was not. We were, we really thought we would win that game. And Two yeah. plays go differently. You're in it. The drop that they kept showing on the draft coverage. Right. And then, and he's a great player, so I'm not I'm not crushing him at all. But that little screen pass to Rodriguez, Fortner missed a block on that. And if he had hit that block, Rodriguez was going to score. But I don't think y'all remember. We had three field goals blocked. Wandale drops the touchdown pass. That's right. We did have three field goals. And then we missed the field goal on that. And then we had two more field goals blocked. So we lost 30 to 17. If you, I'm just telling you, if we pick that fumble, the one they say was, was, no, that hurt, yes. That's a different game because now they only up by three and we going into halftime. So let me ask you this. There were 93,000 people at that game. Of the Georgia fans who were there who are also listening right now. Was there ever a moment during the 2021 Georgia-Kentucky game you're like, oh my gosh, Georgia may lose this game? Did that ever happen? Now, he says, hey, we only lost 30-17. to 17. Actually, that's not true either. You lost 30-13. to 13. You had to score in the last play of the game to make it that to make it so. Like, have you ever – and this is – and I'm sure we've probably done something similar before. I mean, listen, you know, uh, <laughs> we are not blameless when it comes to stuff like this, almost certainly. But have you ever heard a game in which – Kentucky essentially got blown out, and, and and they were fighting and scratching and clawing to score a touchdown in the final play um, just to sort of preserve some face. Admittedly, they did cover the Vegas point spread uh, late in that game. But have you ever heard a game oversold the way that Vince Merrill is with Matt Jones right there? Ah, oh, two plays go differently. If we don't just have three field goals blocked, like, this gives you an idea of how dominant Georgia was against Kentucky last year. Who blocks three field goals? I don't even remember them doing that. But who does that? That sort of speaks to, the, like, the special teams. Like, Georgia puts good players on special teams for that particular reason. Like, that's not one of those things of, well, I mean, like, like you do control a certain aspect of your special team's performance. And obviously, Georgia puts uh, elite players on special teams for that very reason. National championship game uh, was another example of that with, uh, with Carter blocking the uh, field goal attempt by Alabama there as well. Like, I've never heard such a rosy picture painted of a game in which Kentucky essentially got blown out, if not for a garbage time touchdown, to make the score seem even a little bit more appealing. And then Marrow takes the next step by exaggerating what the score actually was. Like, this is fan talk. And yet it's, you know, credentialed media member talking to actual Kentucky assistant coach. But it might as well be to, you know, people going back and forth on a message board in terms of, you know, the, the level of sort of inflated fan talk, inflated belief about the game. But then it takes a little bit of a turn for the worse. And this is the thing that I think if you're, you know, a Georgia fan, you ought not forget this. If you're a Georgia fan, you ought to remember about what a Kentucky assistant coach was saying about this game that will be played on Saturday as recently as this offseason. Now, some of what he was predicting to be true has obviously going to turn out not to be true. But there's an aspect and an element of what he's saying that still might be true. So it, I think it still kind of works as potentially bulletin board material. Here is some very big talk from an actual Kentucky assistant about how it might play out on this particular Saturday. He said it in the summer, but the game's about to be played. That makes it relevant again. Here is Vince Marrow from KSR on Georgia, Kentucky. We physically thought, and Kirby even said it, when they keep asking me all these media days, 
He said, they keep saying about Kentucky. He said, are you guys serious? He said, that's one of our toughest games every year. You talk to our players. So I think, again, going into this year, you know, you take every game. But I think it's going to come down to that game. I think it's November 19th here or something like Next that. Next to last game, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, – I, I like our. When you got. Seven. You like having it at the end of the year. It's the next to last game of the year. It's gonna be cold, probably. Yeah. It's gonna be. Hey, Kroger Field will be rocking. It'll be cold. It'll be a good time to play some football. All right. So, <laughs> the thing that he says that's obviously untrue is that somehow the season's going to come down to this Georgia-Kentucky game. The idea that that's the game everybody's got circled, Georgia versus Kentucky for the SEC East, the big step-up moment for Kentucky. We had that chance in 2018. We weren't ready for it, but now we are. It's all going to come down to this. Well, clearly that's not true. Kentucky's not good at all. But the other part that Marrow says that could be true is it is going to be cold. In fact, it's going to be colder in Lexington on Saturday, I believe, than it was in Starkville this past weekend. So that's going to be true. Will, you know, Kroger Field be rocking, as he says? I guess that remains to be seen. I'm not sure. Kentucky typically is a pretty good, you know, pretty tough place to play. And usually Kentucky's not very good. So the team doesn't necessarily have to be good for the environment to be big. So from that standpoint, there's an element of what Marrow says there that, that might still be true that it's going to be cold, that Kentucky's going to give Georgia its best shot, the fans are going to be rocking. But if you're a Georgia fan and you're kind of trying to find what your level of motivation is for Saturday, or maybe Georgia coaches and players, maybe they should be reminded of this. As you're trying to figure out, hey, 11th game of the year, you know, in-state rival next week, SEC championship after that, clearly there are bigger things ahead for Georgia on its way to go for two and 22. This game would have the appearance of almost being a little nondescript. It's not for the division. It's not for really anything other than just preserving an undefeated record. But that's more about a practical reality than kind of an emotional thing. So how do you conjure up the emotion? Well, basically, the Kentucky assistant coach back during the summer called a shot and saying, loud crowd, cold weather, uh, we're going to sneak up on Georgia, we're going to beat them because even Kirby Smart knows how physical we are. And if that doesn't get you fired up for, for the game, I, don't, I guess I just don't know what will because that's a guy right there who clearly thinks that Kentucky had something for Georgia and Georgia has an opportunity on Saturday to prove to him how wrong he is. Now, some of what he said has already been either factually incorrect or predictions that turned out not to be true, but Georgia can put the final nail in all of that by absolutely just you know walking over these Wildcats on Saturday. Now, it is fair to point out that some of the things that Marrow says that Kirby has said about Kentucky – Kirby was saying once again uh, here this week at his Monday press conference yesterday and the idea of Kentucky being a physical team, the idea of it being a tough place to play on the road, the idea that that doesn't really change just because Kentucky suffered one of the most embarrassing losses any SEC team ever could the prior Saturday by losing to Vanderbilt. That doesn't really change the scenario all that much. So there is an element of what Marrow says that Kirby has said that Kirby has now said again here this week. In fact, for additional context, let me let you hear Kirby from yesterday tough place to play in the SEC, which they all are. Um, this is one of the challenging ones. Uh, they got a great environment. Uh, Mark Stoops has done an incredible job there uh, with the program, uh, coming off a tough loss you know, against Vandy. And um, I know we'll get the response uh, from them that you would expect out of a, a team that's uh, the quality of Kentucky. You know, they've done a tremendous job the last two or three years with what he's done with their program. He's built it through uh, keeping players there, uh, developing players, um, extremely physical and tough. When you ask our kids over the last two years what the most physical game they played in 
to a man, almost every one of them talks about how physical the Kentucky game was two years ago up there and then at our place uh, last year, you know, where they went on a 20-something play drive uh, against our defense to end the game. Um, and their defense is one of the tops in the conference year in, year out, but uh, that way this year as well. So, first of all, that's how a leader of men speaks. That's how a, a, a true leader of an organization should speak. He's measured. He's calm. He's under control. He doesn't say anything that he's later to regret. A stark contrast to some of the clips we heard there a moment ago, I would say. And there's an aspect of what being discussed here that is kind of true, that for some reason under Mark Stoops' leadership, Kentucky has been a tough team to play, especially for Georgia, almost regardless of what its record is. There's an element of just playing Kentucky that's not easy to do. They've been blown out a couple times this year. Tennessee blew them out a couple of weeks ago. But that doesn't necessarily give me reason to believe that Georgia can do the same thing because from week to week, who knows kind of what team you get here. And Kentucky does bring a level of physicality to the table. But it's one thing for Kirby to say, hey, respect these guys because they're physical. And it's a far different thing for Kentucky to say, hey, you better respect us because we're going to be physical with you. Kirby doing that is an instruction. Kentucky saying that about itself is a challenge. So, Georgia, you've been challenged. Back during the summer, uh, one of their own coaches said, you're going to come here, it's going to be cold, and we're going to physically whip you. It's going to be cold, it's going to be loud, and we're going we're gonna to out-physical you in a game like this. My guess is that's the kind of challenge that Georgia typically responds pretty well to, and in this mission of go for two and 22 towards the ultimate goal of repeating his national championship, every step in that journey matters. Georgia taking another step with a road win on Saturday to complete its SEC slate. Who knows? Maybe a little bit of bulletin board material may be just what the program needs for the energy required to do what needs to be done on Saturday. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us no matter how you join us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Before that, 945, dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. Lots of video ways for you to watch our show, whichever one you use. We're happy for that, or maybe you listen on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, or maybe you're one of the many folks who have for a long time been checking out our show on podcasts, the Apple Player, Spotify, WorldFamousDogNation.com, pretty much every podcast platform you can find. We are on all of those, and we are Go For Two and 22. Got the uh, message right there on the desk. I got the Go For Two and 22 t-shirt on here, there as well. And of course, we're happy to have our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia a part of that there as well. Engineered Solutions of Georgia is also kind of a version of Go For Two with all of you there as well. They're the ones you go to if you're dealing with a couple of different issues around your house. One of those might be waterproofing issues. It was raining today as I was coming in. And for many of you, rain is a source of anxiety because you know it's going to be creeping into your garage, sneaking into your crawl space, uh, flooding your basement you know that that's an issue for you and it's time to maybe reach out to our friends at engineered solutions of georgia and get that waterproofing stuff sort of seen about what can you do to prevent water from intruding into your home our friends at engineered solutions of georgia can tell you all about that plus foundation issues cracks in the walls down in the basement you see those cracks in the foundation you know that could be the sign of a bigger issue all the more reason to trust our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. They'll do great work for you here on this. They've got an entire team of engineers on staff. They're the only ones in our market who can say they have that level of resource to be put to work for you on your issue, whether it be foundation or waterproofing or whatever it might be. So they're proud partners of UGA. It's fun to support those that support the dogs. And we remain 
incredibly grateful for all of you who have shown so much kindness and support to Engineered Solutions of Georgia because they've been good friends of ours for a long, long time. A great, dependable partner. And uh, we're just so proud of our relationship with them and so proud that so many of you have gotten a great experience from them there as well. So please give them a call, 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. That'll get you in touch with our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia today. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get Jake Fromm before the show is done today. Looking forward to that. We're going to get Connor Riley coming up in a moment there, too. And we're going to go around the doghouse in just a minute there as well. But before any of that, can I make just like a big announcement here just for a moment? We talk a lot about go for two in 22. Well, guess what? It's about to be go for two in 22 season. Uh, it's about to be upon us. It's going to begin here first Saturday in December. In fact, we're, we're kind of calling that our kickoff to go for two in 22 season. We're going to have a big celebration to kick it off there on that day. It's our Go for Two in 22 tailgate, which is going to take place right there in the Home Depot backyard just outside Mercedes-Benz Stadium before Georgia takes on LSU in the SEC Championship. I want you to go ahead and know about this now to get ready to take action on this and be a part of the big uh, on-sale day, which is actually going to be tomorrow. So let me give you a lot of the details here as it relates to the Go for Two and 22 SEC Championship tailgate. As I said before, Home Depot Backyard on Saturday, December 3rd. It's going to take place three hours prior to kickoff that day. Uh, if you're a part of it, you get open bar, all the food you can eat, uh, entertainment. Of course, a very special second generation, by the way, Go for Two and 22 t-shirt. I'm wearing first gen Go for Two and 22 t-shirt, but for this big event, we're actually going to unveil a second generation Go for Two and 22 t-shirt. That's how big this is going to be. Now, here's the good news. For the first 100 people who sign up to be a part of this beginning tomorrow, your ticket's only going to be $100 each. What a great deal that is. A great experience to be a part of this. And on sale date for that is tomorrow. Now, only 100 at that price. So you got to act quickly to be a part of that. And that begins tomorrow. So be ready. Have your uh, clicker finger ready to go because tomorrow you can click in and you can be one of the first 100 to get in for $100. And of course, how do we offer something like this at such a great price? Because of great sponsors like our friends at RS Andrews, Marlowe's Tavern, by the way, big announcement coming with Marlowe's here coming up very soon too. Kroger, uh, the Wilson PC, personal injury attorneys, uh, uh, Farm Bureau, uh, Georgia Farm Bureau, of course, the 7 6 Apparel, Royal uh, Caribbean, and Discover Dunwoody there as well. So an incredible experience coming up. A great chance for you to be a part of all of this on sale date begins tomorrow and the first 100 tickets available at just a hundred dollars so all of that is coming up so with that said let's get ready to uh, go around the doghouse presented today by our friends at georgia's own credit union georgia did uh sustain a decommitment yesterday very good looking defensive back daniel harris from the class of 2023 big time four-star prospect announced his decommitment i'll show you a little bit of this if you're watching on video on social media uh saying he'd like to thank the university of georgia coach smart and uh, fran brown for building a great relationship with me and my family i'd also like to thank all the georgia bulldog fans who supported me however after countless hours of discussing the best possible opportunities i've decided to decommit from george and open up my recruitment now when you hear stuff like this you're always kind of left to wonder well, what's really going on here is this you know the player getting mad and leaving and going somewhere else is this georgia you know kind of moving off the player as a way of maybe offering the scholarship to somebody else we don't like to talk about that but that's kind of a you know a fact of a matter in, in some cases the sense that I've gotten from people that I've talked to here is is that Georgia very much likes Harris and still very much wants Harris to be a part of the program. And just because Harris has decommitted here doesn't mean that he won't be. Now, obviously, by opening things up, the chances of him not being a part of this class are certainly greatly increased. 
But this is not, you know, to use the word that sometimes gets used. What I've been told here is Georgia's not processing Harris and, you know, it's not moving off him. So they're going to get somebody way better or, or something like that. Or at least that's the way that sometimes these kinds of things get discussed. That's not what this is. I think logically you're left to interpret, my gosh, look at all the defensive backs that Georgia signed, you know, in the 2022 class, the incredible collection of Jaheim Singletary and Julian Humphrey and Dalen Everett. And think about what Georgia has in line here for the class of 2023 already. There are a lot of defensive backs in this program, both kind of waiting the wings for their chance to play and waiting the wings in this class of 2023 for their chance to join the program. And, you know, maybe if you're Harris, you know, you're kind of left to wonder, well, where do I fit in, in on that if there's so much depth? And you have to be led to believe that certainly he's been kind of pushed in that direction by coaches, whether it be, you know, Penn State or that's one of the programs that seems to be, you know, kind of in the mix for him right now. You've got to imagine that it's fairly easy to try to de-recruit against Georgia or I guess negative recruit against Georgia just on the basis of the level of depth that they have. But this is one of those things where the way in which the player sees the overall program depth and the way in which Kirby Smart sees the overall program depth is a little bit different because even after last year's sort of record haul of elite cornerbacks into this class elite defensive backs overall into this class at the time Kirby still didn't feel like they quite had enough so for some context here on why I believe that Georgia is still likely to chase Harris down hard and still try to win this recruiting battle let's let you hear Kirby last year on what it is they value from defensive backs and the the sheer number of those guys they want in the program this is a uh, Kirby from last year on the context of defensive backs in light of Harris's decommitment take a listen to this I don't think you actually ever know exactly what you have. You certainly feel great about them, but to, to tab anybody, the, the, the next guy, the first guy to start, I mean, I think it's hard. I'm, uh, the length and the speed uh, is what sticks out the most. I think, uh, you know, we, we, we've missed some size in, in recent years, and uh, we like to have uh, length. We like to have toughness. I like intelligence. You know, I like ball skills. I think a lot of these qualities and traits show up. You know, your ability to play man-to-man, I think more in college football now than ever before, if you have a liability in coverage, it's easier to find it. You know, it used to be we were all up in a, in a little phone booth, and now we're all out here. So your mistakes or your uh, guys that can't cover, it's almost out of control. Like, they, like they, 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 they spot it on you and they get you. I think this group, number one, has speed. They have man-to-man coverability. Uh, they're going to help us, but there's just not enough of them. And it, what's interesting is it used to be you couldn't find O-linemen and D-linemen, and I still think they're hard to find, but you see these schools, top-notch schools, all on the same uh, DBs because there's not enough of them to go around. You know, the, the premier position right now uh, for a lot of people is to go play wide out, and we got to find some guys that can cover those guys. So I think this just sort of speaks to what the challenge is at a place like Georgia. Kirby looks at the situation in defensive back and says, hey, we still don't have enough. And yet for players like Harris, you're led to believe that he's been told Georgia's got way too many you'll never play. And I think the truth is obviously you know, probably not quite as fatal as the negative recruiting that Harris is hearing right now, but it is a tough sell for a place like Georgia that wants to play a lot of defensive backs, but also wants all the guys in the program to be of an elite level that you know getting – players to want to help contribute to that depth and be a part of that depth that's not always going to be an easy sell but it's obviously the challenge that you have to endure if you want to be a program at the level that Georgia is so bottom line here for now Harris does decommit my guess is Georgia still continues to recruit him and obviously for a program like Georgia that 
that sees the way in which defensive backs winning one-on-one battles, much like the Tennessee game from a couple of weeks ago, how that fits into the overall championship success formula. My guess is that Georgia is going to stay in pursuit of players like this and hope to win with Harris and players like him before it's all said and done. That's Around the Doghouse here today. It's presented by our friends at Georgia's own credit union. And of course, this is that time of year in which it seems like we're using that credit card a lot right now. You're traveling. A lot of dog fans in Starkville this past week. Many more heading towards Lexington here this week, getting ready for the SEC championship. Or maybe you're starting your holiday shopping there as well. Whatever you're doing, when you're making those purchases, I think one of the things you're going to find that makes the, the purchase experience, things you're already doing even more fun and more enjoyable for you, is using that Visa Signature Platinum card from our friends at Georgia's own credit union. Because when you use the card for the things that you're already buying, you're going to get so many great incentives for that there as well. With a Visa Signature and Platinum card, you can earn flex rewards, which can be used for just about anything. Gift cards, cash back, travel, merchandise, so much more. You can also earn up to $150 just for opening your new Platinum or Signature card. Now, there are some restrictions that apply so to find out about those and to find out about what makes the visa signature and platinum card from georgia's own credit union so great you can go online georgia's own.org for a lot more on that that is georgia's own.org for a lot more on that today all right it's jake from here before we're all said and done jake will no doubt have some great thoughts but for now on what's next for georgia in its 2023 recruiting class the cfp top 25 re-released tonight and the status for georgia as he gets ready for kentucky let's do all those things with connor riley here right now on dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a DogNation.com insider we'll bring in connor riley here we'll do a little bit of recruiting before we kind of move into the uh, stuff on the field for georgia the daniel harris decommitment from yesterday the sense that i get connor and i'm guessing you'll agree with this is i think that georgia kind of stays in the midst and tries to recruit harris the sense that i get uh but that doesn't mean they'll win it because you know let's face it it's sometimes kind of easy to negative recruit against georgia right now maybe that's what harris is falling prey to here so Let's just use this as, I guess, kind of a springboard to sort of talk about the snapshot of where things stand with Georgia in this late stage of the 2023 cycle right now. Yeah, you know, I think with the rise in NIL and, you know, we've seen in recent years a trend of recruits committing earlier and earlier, and so there are, in theory, less guys, quote-unquote, available or uncommitted at the end of the cycle you're going to see a lot of flips in this next month in terms of guys that are committed to a school currently right now. And because of the way boards are shaking out and because of the way people are viewing their recruiting classes, they're going to make a renewed push and a renewed effort at some of these guys that have been locked in for a while. And that seems to be the case here with Daniel Harris. And so I think over these next couple of weeks, as we see coaching changes, as we see you know the transfer portal, the impact that's going to have, on certain programs there, you're going to see recruitments like Daniel Harris, a guy that was pretty locked into Georgia for a while, you know, say, hey, I'm going to reconsider my options because the grass seems pretty green right now in a lot of different spots. And he's earned the ability and the right to do that. But while you can understandably be worried about oh, this happening in Georgia and Georgia potentially losing a very talented cornerback prospect that they like a lot, Daniel Harris out of the South Florida area, know that Georgia is also probably going to be on the receiving end of this as well in terms of benefiting from it and being able to flip players because they come to realize they might not love the current situation the situation the way things are headed at the end of the recruitment stage. And I think in the case of Harris, this to me is a perfect example of something I talk about quite a bit, which is that 
there's a big difference in the way in which coaches define depth and the way in which players define depth. We heard audio from Kirby last winter of saying, hey, we don't have enough defensive backs. And yet for a guy like Harris, you would presume that he's hearing in his ear all the time, you know, Dalen Everett, Julian Humphrey, uh, uh, Jaheim Singletary, A.J. Harris, you know, uh, you know, Marcus Washington, like on and on you can go with all these names where, you know, from Harris's perspective, gosh, they got so many cornerbacks from Kirby's perspective, knowing how many they want to play and knowing how valuable that position is in a game like, say, Tennessee, which doesn't seem to be going out of style anytime soon, that the way in which coach defines depth and player defines depth, it's two very different definitions, is it not? Right. I mean, you even you look at this current group of defensive backs that Georgia brought in this last hall, you know, Daylon Everett has clearly made a name for himself and I think established himself as a top freshman cornerback. And, you know, it's fair to wonder where things stand if you're a guy like Julian Humphrey or Jaheim Singletary who were top 100 prospects and very talented players in their own rights. And you turn around, and this is just the reality of playing at Georgia, you know, A.J. Harris is a five-star cornerback. Uh, Harris is a guy who this staff really, really liked a lot. And so you look around and see, Georgia doesn't rotate their corners a whole lot. and There's a talented guy already coming back next year in Kamari Lasseter. Dalen Everett seems really well positioned to be a starter for Georgia in the event that Keely Ringo in all likelihood goes on in the NFL draft. Where is sort of my playing time going to be? And that's understandable there as well, considering even a guy like Nyland Green, a former top 100 recruit, is just having a hard time getting onto the field in terms of that Georgia defense there right now. And, and you know, Kirby's spoken about this before. It seems like, defensive back and wide receiver for a variety of reasons. Those are the positions where if you're not getting on the field early, it seems like you're going to lose them. So I, I think that certainly factors into here as well. You know, maybe taking a look at the lay of the land in terms of the way this Georgia defense and the way that specifically that cornerback position is set up in terms of the near and long-term future of it's going to be like, you got to be an absolute stud to get on the field and make an impact there and that's not necessarily going to be for everybody i want to talk about the situation for georgia on the field i thought georgia showed a lot at mississippi state on saturday but as a fan here connor i didn't really need to see it my my hope and wish for this game this past weekend was i just want to see georgia win and they did and i sort of feel the same way about kentucky on saturday and i know this is a kentucky team that just lost to vanderbilt and really got blown out big time by uh, Tennessee you know a a few weeks ago this is not a good Kentucky team but once again this is not a style point game for me it's 15 degrees or however cold it's going to be it's the final SEC game of the year Um, you know to me this was that stretch before the year that we all talked about at least I talked about a lot back-to-back road games in November well now it's here and I just kind of want to see Georgia get through it and just kind of get ready for, you know, what comes next with the SEC championship. I don't have much in the way of expectations on Saturday. I just sort of want it over with. Uh, what do you think about, you know, kind of where things stand for Georgia going to Kentucky on Saturday in light of what we learned about Georgia on the road at Mississippi State this past week? Yeah, I think you're bringing a good point up there in just going out and winning. Because, again, when you play four straight SEC games, I mean, they've done schedule analysis on this before really really hard to win all four of those games it's a a near impossibility that you're going to win all four of those games against four teams that are all bowl eligible right now they've won those first three games that sort of stretch florida tennessee and mississippi state by an average of 20 points and i think there's a real chance you once again see that this coming saturday and i think if you were told if, if i had sat here and told you on your show in August, that hey, that four game stretch that I think we're all rightfully worried about, one of which is going to feature, a, I think, a, a top six, top seven team in Tennessee. 
you're going to win all four of those games by 20-plus points or by an average of 20 points, you're going to no way, Connor. Don't, don't gaslight me on my own show. Right. And, and so I think if they go out there, and again, they take care of business. This is a Kentucky team that I, I think has been a real disappointment from what their expectations were to start the season. I think if they go out there and, and, and take and just take care of business, and because this is a Kentucky team that, let's face it, you know they they play a style that allows them to win a lot, but when you play a style that is similar to what Georgia wants to do, and you don't have the athletes to really out athlete them, you're just going to go and you're going to get beat around for four quarters. We saw that happen a year ago with Michigan. I think this Kentucky team is a less talented version of that Michigan team, and I you know Kentucky may shorten the game to make it you know a tighter game, a game within the point spread, so to speak. There, like we saw last season, but. I don't feel very confident that Kentucky is really even capable of keeping this a close game. I can see it very well. You know, the final score might be 27-13, 31-13, something along the lines of that. But at no point is Kentucky ever really threatening to beat Georgia this weekend because of the way that program is set up and how just well this Georgia team as a whole is executing. Even when they don't play a great game on Saturday, I thought it was a B-minus effort, and they go out there and they still win by 26 points. Well, to be fair, and I don't know, you're probably not aware of this, but we played this audio again before you joined us. Vince Marrow, Kentucky assistant, you know, back in the summer said the 30-13 to loss that Kentucky suffered in Athens last year. They were one play away from winning the game, according to him. So <laughs> you never know how these they Kentucky have, folks – 17-point plays in football? I didn't know that. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's kind of how we reacted to that there too. Hey, there's a lot of parsing of words right now based on what Kirby said about A.D. Mitchell yesterday. Um, I think a lot of folks are assuming he's getting healthier and maybe the words that Kirby spoke yesterday made some believe that maybe that actually is true. What do you think of the current state of A.D. Mitchell's health as you head towards getting closer to, anyway, the most pivotal moments of the season? You know, I guess part of me, there's, you know, they want to see him be as 100% as he can be and out there and knowing that, you know, you're going to need him for those big playoff games, that SEC championship game against LSU, and you want him as close to 100%, not necessarily working his way back into full strength in terms of doing it over the course of the game. But, I mean, at this point in time, I'm just throwing my hands up and trying to understand what has gone on with this ankle injury. And I'm not a doctor here, so, uh, like, again, and I totally understand the reasoning that Kirby Smart has given. It makes a lot of sense. It sounds like the tightrope surgery that, as he mentioned specifically yesterday, a lot of guys have had, yeah. it just wasn't available to him. And I even point out with that tightrope surgery, you know, Tua wasn't exactly fully healthy after it there. And Cedric Tillman missed a game last week for Tennessee as well. So, you know, there just is no – this is an injury that has lingered and it just hasn't gotten better the way I think a lot of people expected it to. And when you have lower body injuries like that, that's reality. That's just sometimes the way things are. And guys can sort of end up having a lost season, and that's what's happened here for A.D. Mitchell. And so, you know, he's played five snaps since the end of the Oregon game. And, look, anything they get out of him this week, like, quite frankly, I'm not even sure – what the benefit is in playing him this week is, unless you just want to get him back out there and have him start getting reps once again, because look, they don't need A.D. Mitchell to beat Kentucky. And and I think we've actually seen enough progress from the wide receiver room as a whole in these last two games against Kentucky, or excuse me, Mississippi State and Tennessee, where you have guys like Glad McConkie, Kiaris Jackson, Marcus Roseman, Jack Saint, all making plays downfield. You feel a little bit more comfortable about what you have in that wide receiver room so, you know, there's not a need to see A.D. Mitchell for me this week. But in terms of just trying to figure out his health, I have no idea what has gone on with this ankle injury because he's been out close to, I think, like 10 weeks now. 
And Kirby Smart said against Stanford when this injury first happened, yeah, he could have gone back into the game if he needed to. I don't think anyone has expected the injury to turn in the situation that it has. Let me finish with this. Uh, CFP Top 25 comes out tonight. Now, folks should not forget, this is that basketball doubleheader, so it's actually not coming out until like 9 p.m., or so tonight sometime around that uh window for this announcement obviously there's very little drama for george at number one but i do think the situation around george is getting more interesting i think the tcu's continuing to win and win closely is kind of amazing obviously they'll i mean there's a very good chance they still lose before the season's done and once they lose they're out of this because the committee doesn't want them i believe in the playoff but as long as they keep winning, they're in the top four right now. It would seem that they, as an undefeated Power 5 champion, likely make the playoff, which is a very different kind of scenario than I think we had been mostly considering, at least I had been mostly considering, for a good number of weeks. I keep expecting to lose, and they just haven't yet. What is interesting to you right now about the potential, I guess, threats to Georgia, the other contenders for the playoff? What kind of jumps out at you, Connor, with two weeks to go here in the regular season? Well, BJ or BA, if you'll allow me to toot my own horn, I did tell everyone on Go With The Flow last week that spreadsheets do not win you football games. Fair and enough. He was going to outright win and beat Texas. Fair enough. Look what happened. The Fair spreadsheets enough. got annihilated by those vibes from TCU. Fair enough. I, I think the thing that is most interesting to me, the thing that I look at probably this week is what happens with USC. And I, I realize we're going to learn a lot more about USC in these next two weeks when they play UCLA this week, they play Notre Dame next week. Those are two real marquee chances to add to their resume and what they might be able to do because, look, there's a real world where, and I, I, give, T, I, I give TCU a lot better chance of winning out uh, than I think you and a lot of other people do. I think they can beat Baylor this weekend, and then they have Iowa State and probably Kansas State those last two games. The Kansas State game would be in the Big 12 championship. I think they can win all three of those games. If USC wins out and TCU wins out, I've got some news. Tennessee's not getting into the playoff. Mm-hmm. And boy, oh boy, would it be fun to just open up Twitter that afternoon. Now, I've got a ton of work to do that day. And also Samuel and Pemba is going to be announcing his commitment right. that day as well. So December 4th is going to be a very busy day if you're a Georgia fan. But in the event where a one-loss Tennessee misses the playoff because of USC and TCU, man, there are going to be a lot of upset fans out there. Because I do think there's a world where ten- you can make the case for sure. Tennessee is one of the four best teams. But – TCU won all of their games in this theoretical scenario. USC lost one game on the road and a two-point conversion late. And Tennessee's not going to make the playoff. And I think that speaks to, you know, I think the big reason why we're ultimately going to see this move to a 12-team playoff where Tennessee has an unquestionably great season. I think a team that, well, I don't think they can win a national title this year because I think they had a chance at doing that and they got absolutely punked in Athens. They played a, a playoff team and lost pretty handily, but there's a lot of delusional fans out there that still believe that this is one of the four best teams that should make the playoff. And, and you know, based on the way USC things sort of go for them these next couple of weeks, I think there's a very clear path of them getting boxed out. Now, USC could go on and lose. That's right. As you mentioned, TCU has played a ton of close games, and they're due potentially for a loss there. But there's a very real scenario in play where Tennessee – gets boxed out of the college football playoff by by USC and TCU teams. I think where if you put them on a neutral field right now, I imagine Tennessee is probably a touchdown favorite over both of those teams. Connor, I think that's great analysis, really interesting stuff. Thanks for being here today. We'll look forward to reading a bunch more from you at dognation.com. And, of course, speaking to you back here in the program again very soon as well. Yep, as always, it's a pleasure. 
Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I think that the bottom line is I think Connor's analysis there is mostly right that the results on Saturday for me were probably not good if you're Tennessee. That team at five that wants to get into the top four. We've seen two SEC teams obviously in the playoff a couple of times before Tennessee hoping to be one of those here this year. The TCU win was not good for them. And the presence of a team like USC in the Pac-12, a team that has a little bit of cachet around it for right or you know, wrong reasons, um, I, I don't think that's good for Tennessee either. We'll talk more about that here in a moment, and we'll catch up with Jake Fromm here coming up there too. Before that, let me remind you that we're cruising around the SEC right now, courtesy of our friends at Royal Caribbean. I'm getting excited about a couple of Royal Caribbean cruise vacations coming up, but the one I want you to be aware of is the one we have with all of Dog Nation coming up in April, April 24th through the 28th on board Independence of the Seas. Independence of the Seas is a great ship because it's got so many cool things to do on board. Some of the specialty restaurants that Royal Caribbean is famous for, obviously a lot of those on board Independence of the Seas. In particular, there's a Playmaker Sports Bar and Grill on board Independence of the Seas, which is really fun. It's like a like a classic sports bar on a cruise ship. This is the kind of thing that like years ago, I don't think you would really be able to do on a cruise ship for whatever reason. You didn't have that style of restaurant on ships but now you kind of do that's a great experience there's you know obviously chops grill and kind of the classic steakhouse and just so many fun specialty restaurants on board and obviously the ports we're visiting going to nassau on the bahamas going to perfect day coco Cay. these are great great experiences and a great thing for you to be a part of in addition to all of that you also have the special dog nation events there too so it's not just the entertainment the dining and the the ports that that royal caribbean is kind of famous for including that private island perfect day coco Cay, but it's also special dog nation events there as well so check out the website it's royaldogs.com that's royaldogs.com that's a special website made by uh, jessica slater a terrific travel agent who has kind of constructed this website to give you all the details you need about what makes the cruise vacations such, such an exciting experience you can also give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 and be a part of our cruise with dog nation coming up april 24th through the 28th leaving from port canaveral going to perfect day coco Cay, going to uh, nasa on the bahamas and having a great time with all of you now it is never easy to transition from something like that fun and happy and exciting to something so sad and tragic but obviously many of you are aware of the fact that there was shooting in charlottesville virginia three virginia football players killed here and i guess the suspect here for now is a former uh, virginia player himself and it has just been such an awful thing and i have to admit to you that yesterday a lot of these events were transpiring and i really wasn't too aware of all of this and you know in the aftermath of the show you kind of realize everything else had been kind of going on and i saw where the official ug athletics account obviously shared some much deserved condolences to our friends up at the university of virginia and just a horrible horrible situation you know we look at college sports as being kind of escape from some of the more serious things in life but in a situation like this you're just not able to do that and i don't have any kind of wise words to say about all this other than it is just very very sad and to our friends at virginia to our friends in that state the charlotteville area we're just so sorry and, and just so sad and it was nice to see you know uga sharing those messages yesterday but uh, it does not change the fact that they have been through something terrible there and uh, we're very sorry about that and it's you know uh, you know hard to kind of do something like that then have the regular conversation but at least wanted to make mention of that here on today's show and we'll try to see if we can kind of awkwardly now stumble back into what we typically talk about around here and connor made mention of this when he was on with us a moment ago that we did find out a decision date for five-star edge rusher samuel mpemba 
He's going to announce his commitment decision the day after the SEC championship. But Pemba's obviously visited Georgia a ton as of late. And this is one of those elite recruits that Georgia's relationship seems to be about as deep and entrenched with as can possibly be. He's not committed to Georgia, and yet we see examples over and over again of him sort of showing some love to Georgia here. So we will see kind of how all of this plays out here moving forward. But obviously for now, it would seem that Georgia might be in good shape with Mpemba. Certainly you hope that's the case. And the day after the SEC championship, Mpemba's going to announce. So stay close to Dog Nation there on that day, watching closely to see if Georgia can close the deal with Mpemba, who actually just took his official visit to Georgia uh, for that Tennessee game a couple of weeks ago. So that is big news there on that front. And then finally, before we speak to Jake Fromm here in a moment, CFP Top 25 comes out tonight. And as I mentioned a moment ago, I think the overall takeaway here is if you're looking for that second SEC team in right now, hard to make that case necessarily for Tennessee if TCU keeps winning because TCU is ranked ahead of Tennessee right now. And improbable as it is, if they continue to win these games, you're kind of talking about a team that will now have a conference championship to even bolster its resume. And logically, you just don't really know how you could possibly say after watching Tennessee play the less substantial portion of its schedule, even if they're you know hanging big numbers against the likes of Missouri, South Carolina, there just isn't a much of a mandate behind all of that. And the Pac-12 now only has one team kind of in playoff contention because UCLA did lose to Arizona over the weekend. Obviously, Oregon lost to Washington in a more high-profile game. But the team they do have is USC. And one thing that Lincoln Riley showed you before is, is that he can get to the playoffs. Now, he doesn't win when he gets there, but he can get there. And so that becomes a little bit of a factor, too. And that's before you get into what happens with both Michigan and Ohio State. I think it sort of stands to reason that Ohio State is viewed more favorably by the committee than Michigan is. They played a tougher non-conference schedule. They just also probably have kind of a more exciting brand right now. We saw Michigan in the playoff a year ago, and they got beaten up. But if you're Georgia, that's what you're kind of thinking about. You're kind of thinking about, hey, what's happening underneath us? And as a very good dog fan pointed out to me on Twitter this week, hey, you know, what would happen if Georgia is to stumble? You know, can Georgia, can, can it can it guarantee its place in the college football playoff prior to going 13-0? and And what would need to happen for that to be the case? That's something else to kind of watch for. But that takes a little bit more time to unpack than we have for you right now. Instead, we'll wrap up cruise around the SEC. And now here, courtesy of our friends at Kroger, we'll get ready to welcome in uh, the terrific former Georgia quarterback, Jake Fromm, who's also, I'm sure, got a big smile on his face because the NFL franchise that he's a part of, the Washington Commanders, also got a big win last night on Monday Night Football. So I, I guess, Jake, congratulations in order here. The undefeated Philadelphia Eagles undefeated no more, which is not good news for a couple of former dogs there on the Eagles, but certainly good news for the Commanders. So I guess congratulations to see that Monday Night Football win last night. Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Thank you. Uh, absolutely, man. Great news for the Commanders. Uh, great win last night. Got in late. Um, but, man, it was awesome. Awesome to get a win, especially on Monday Night Football. It's very awesome, fun atmosphere last night. Yeah, no doubt. It was a ton of fun to watch. And, you know, these Georgia Bulldogs have been a ton of fun to watch there as well. And, you know, Jake, you understand what it takes to go on the road and win in the SEC. You certainly did that a lot during your career. And this past Saturday, we saw Georgia in Mississippi State. I don't believe, if memory serves, you ever played in a game quite as cold as that one was. Maybe you did, but it seems like maybe you didn't. Uh, cold environment, you know, a team that, you know, 6-3 and three coming in, you know, winning record type team, uh, pretty tough team to play. And yet Georgia, even after kind of, you know, shooting itself in the foot a couple of times, still kind of emerged with a pretty comfortable win. What do you think we learned about UGA last week? 
Yeah, I just I think they're poised. I think they're experienced, and and they're just they they keep continuing to grow and to build on top of it. Obviously, maybe it didn't start out the way we had all envisioned or wanted it to, um, especially with uh, the punt return for a touchdown at halftime. But uh, the way they responded coming out in that second half uh, was how the number one team in the country should play. They did play. Uh, and it was exciting. They had some big plays. They were dominant on defense. So um, that's what we're uh, used to and accustomed to seeing. Um, and I think they will build on that going in to play uh, in another hostile environment in Kentucky this week. And you mentioned the uh, situation with uh, the end of the half stuff, and Kirby was as candid about that as I've heard him be, saying hey, this was as bad of an end of the half scenario yeah. as I've ever been a part of. But as a quarterback, can you kind of explain some of the logistics of this, of having a package of plays and making the decision to to kind of, I guess, shift to a passing play there as opposed to a running play what's Stetson trying to process there in that moment which leads to the decision to to go pass play on third down as opposed to a running play Kirby said that there was you know I guess kind of a package of plays there and maybe I guess he audible to the passing play for those of us who haven't been in that situation what's that kind of like for a quarterback there in that moment yeah so that it really goes back to a lot of talks uh, back during the week, that uh, happens in the quarterback room, and then obviously sometimes with the head coach. Um, just hey, what, what we're seeing situationally in the game, um, and uh, there was multiple times uh, throughout my career where you know it's given a, a list of, of, of plays that um, could check to depending on uh, what the the third and, and distance was, and then also where we're at, where we were at in the field and kind of the flow of game and what coverage we were getting as well. So um, looks like he maybe has had a, a sheet of plays kind of listed on his head or maybe on the wristband and, and going to the, the best play he saw fit. So, you know, Kirby also kind of mentioned the idea of, hey, you know, maybe kind of, I guess, in some cases, like limiting the amount of freedom he has in a situation like that. Were you ever as a quarterback in one of those situations where in some games, hey, you had more freedom to do what you wanted, and in some games they kind of, I guess, said, hey, in these situations we want to, we want you to do this no matter what? Did, does the freedom kind of fluctuate there? Or for a guy like Stetson, who was a veteran much the same way you were near the end of your career, you pretty much had sort of free reign to do whatever you wanted in a situation like that? Yeah, I think uh, I think the baseline uh, is, is higher uh, for sure to be able to do uh, kind of whatever you want. But th- there's also some give and take week to week um, on certain certain things, just depending on the predictability of what we're getting uh, from the other team going into the week and the comfortability we, we have in knowing uh, that they're going to line up in the way we think they're going to line up. So that has a lot to do with it. Um, but also uh, myself, and then also I'm assuming just like Stephen as well. Um, I mean, week to week can can change run to a run, run to a pass, yeah. pass to a pass, and a pass to a run. He, he can he can do all those things and put guys in the right spot uh, to succeed. And um, man, I I, just, I remember playing. I, I had a a, <laughs> a run checklist uh, that was two pages long that that me and Pittman went over. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, on Mondays during the week and. Uh, it was fun just just trying to put guys in the right spot to succeed and and, and make sure we were uh, really good running the football so it was very cold on Saturday very very cold I'm always kind of fascinated by this because Jake it seems like to me especially for you know you grew up middle Georgia and a lot of these guys grew up in South Florida places like that you just can't replicate the cold very much down here because in the summertime you can always go outside and practice and get used to the heat or if it's raining you can dip the football in water and have a wet football but like cold 
you just can't replicate that. And I, I frankly thought Georgia seemed to handle it pretty well. And I can tell you, even just trying to do like a show outside where you're like your hands are getting numb. I mean, it's definitely a very different process just to kind of exist outside when it's that cold. How do players you know seem to handle you know that because to me it seems like it'd be way harder to play when it's that cold and yet you didn't see a lot of like you know long sleeves under the georgia jerseys on saturday when they kind of came in to the stadium with the dog walk they were all kind of wearing their normal clothes they didn't seem to be that bothered by it and obviously they you know they played pretty well throughout it so how do you do that knowing that they just feel so different than what you're used to <laughs> Um, yeah, I've got a, definitely a, a taste of this myself. Yeah, uh, playing in Buffalo, playing in New York, sure, uh, and then even last night uh, at Philly, it was uh, a little chilly as well. But uh, it's a it's a mindset uh, in a way in itself, um, but it's also just a, a grind and a toughness to to get through it. Um, don't worry about it; you just go play. And um, I know up here in the league, I don't know if they did last uh, or the dogs had it um, on Saturday night, but. Uh, heated benches, some heaters on the sideline, those always help. Uh, for QBs, have your hand warmers ready. Um, but the ball definitely changes. Um, gets just a little bit harder, a little bit slicker there once the, the temperature starts getting under 40, 45 degrees. Um, but as, as long as the wind's not blowing too bad, it's usually it's usually pretty good and, and pretty manageable. But, um, yeah, it's, it's always fun uh, to see how people react to it. Uh, but I, I think you just have to, have to be mentally tough and then just go out and play and, and not worry about it. I want to ask you one more thing before we let you go. Before that, let me remind folks, it's uh, Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. And by the way, as we head towards the through the month of November here, we're getting close to Thanksgiving, and there are some great, great opportunities for you to get stocked up on everything you need for a great Thanksgiving celebration, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. That big table filled with all of those uh, special menu items, the the turkey or the, the sides or all of that, you get ready for a great Thanksgiving. Our friends at Kroger got you covered on all that. In fact, you can check out more of this by going to kroger.com slash thanksgiving for more on that that's kroger.com slash thanksgiving and you can get big savings and all the things you need to make this thanksgiving special with you and your family you can do that with our friends at kroger kroger.com slash thanksgiving for a lot more on that so jake before i let you go kirby smart said something very interesting on sports center the other night he's kind of talking about the way in which this team is kind of motivated right now and one of the things that he said and we obviously we would all understand this team has a chance to win the national championship again which is a really really cool thing but kirby said prior to all of that they're motivated right now because they want to win the sec championship something the 2021 team wasn't able to do well jake you did win an sec championship came very close to winning a national championship but you won the sec championship and as someone who enjoyed that celebration that night getting revenge against auburn how special would it be for this team here in a couple of weeks if they can along a journey to maybe winning a national championship find a way to win that sec title as someone who won one as someone who was a part of that what did that mean to you and what do you think that would maybe mean to this georgia team here this year as well oh it's huge um you know it's an opportunity at, at redemption as well but uh when, when it when it comes to uh the beginning of a football season and you're setting out your goals of, of what this team uh wants to be and what it wants to accomplish uh, it starts with winning the east which they've done that and then the next step there is winning the sec championship so uh that opportunity is right there in front of them uh, to take care of business to do everything they want to do uh, ultimately later in the season to win a playoff game and to, then to win a national championship. So um, it's just it's, it's part of the goal, it's part of the stepping stones, but 
um, man, it's a, it's a right, it's an honor, it's a privilege that nobody can take away uh, from you and from your team. And um, it's, a, it's a big deal because of just what the SEC is, uh, how tough it is, uh, the conference, and uh, you know you're going to play the best from the other side. And um, usually it's always a pretty dang good football game. That's right. It's tough, it's physical, and it's going to come down to four quarters. Well, Jake, I know how busy you are right now. you got so much going on, so I really appreciate you taking time to be with us here today. Uh, we appreciate our friends at Kroger for making it all possible, and we hope you enjoy your week. We'll look forward to getting a chance to talk to you very soon here as well. Awesome, Brad. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Good stuff there from former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. What a great thing that is, and Jake talks about tough physical football games. And Listen, a lot of you know what the tough physical activity is about, and for you, maybe it's not football. Maybe it's just getting out in the yard and doing some yard work or maybe trying to play golf or you know, running a marathon, whatever your thing is. Sometimes the physical part of that just sort of gets to you. Well, when it does, I want you to think about our friends there at Petrie Orthopedics as well as a great organization to know when you need to kind of get back into the game because of something that sort of happens to you they are there for you as atlanta's go-to orthopedic practice they've been that way for more than 70 years so it is a great great name to know when you're a little bit banged up and you need a little bit of help kind of getting back to your best again they got uh, great physicians and specialists that can work with you for whatever body part you may be kind of dealing with here seems like for me at different times it's a different body part if that's the case the peach street orthopedics is there for you there as well their process helps you getting better to be a whole lot uh, uh, just more simple, really, uh, because they're going to listen, they're going to understand your problem, they're going to explain the options to you that help eliminate the pain that you're dealing with right now, and they're going to make a plan for recovery that gets you back living life the way that you enjoy. Plus, they got all kinds of uh, you know hours that make it convenient for you. You can kind of come in on Saturday, uh, same day, evening, uh, whatever works for you. They want to try to find a way and a plan and a schedule that fits your very, very busy life. So, all of that to know when it comes to our friends at Peachtree Orthopedics. You can find them online at peachtreeorthopedics.com. You can book an appointment. You can make a plan to learn how to feel better, to feel healthier, to be pain-free. Our friends at Peachtree Orthopedics give you a chance to do that. Peachtreeorthopedics.com for more on that. So it was kind of an odd scene this past weekend with Georgia fans kind of taking over Tuscaloosa. Alabama had played on the road at Ole Miss tuscaloosa on its way to starkville i don't really know you can get to starkville from here without going through tuscaloosa it's just i mean that's really where starkville is on the other side of tuscaloosa and you're kind of driving back roads really a lot to get there kind of going from that you know it's, it's basically you know you got to take 20 to 59 to to tuscaloosa and you go kind of go back roads to get starkville so the point is day after the game on sunday there were tons of georgia fans all over uh, alabama for the most part, the Bama fans were kind of good-natured about it. I, I heard a bunch of you know fo- folks shouting at me, but they were kind of smiling as they were doing so. Uh, but there were a lot of Georgia fans there, and I kind of made a thing on Twitter about the Nick Saban statue. We'll give out a golden shoe here there today as well because somebody else kind of found their time. This isn't a Dog Nation-approved gesture, but uh, nonetheless, uh, Drake Bryan having some fun with the Nick Saban statue, so we'll give him a golden shoe. And by the way, uh, speaking of uh, rivals to UGA, how about those lousy, stinking Gators? We'll remind them, too, 347 days from right now, Georgia back in Jackson. We'll give it another dose of whipping coming their way. That's 347 days from right now. Hashtag go for two and 22. This is Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We'll see you tomorrow. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. R.S. Andrews is the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. So yesterday during this space, we read a quote from uh, Ray Rogers on uh, Twitter about a scenario and I, I won't get it all right again but basically like 
a certain sequence of events where you have undefeated Ohio State and one loss Pac-12 champion USC and Clemson with a one loss ACC championship and then an undefeated TCU and like what would the scenario be in which George would make the college football playoff there and we kind of debated that and so Ray actually said that there's a like a you know like an input mechanism at like 538.com which is an analytics website where you can kind of put that in there kind of their own version of a playoff predictor and he says according to 538 in the scenario we described yesterday if george were to lose to lsu in the sec championship and the other things that kind of played out around that that according to 538 george would only have uh, less than a 29 percent chance of making the playoff in that scenario now let me say two things about that first of all i am not a fan of percentage chance that so-and-so makes the playoff and I'll tell you why in college football I mean because ultimately it is a human decision to put the four teams in this is not like the NFL where you can kind of create a certain win probability and the NFL playoffs are determined by you win and you're in and so mathematically I think you can approximate the chance that someone makes the NFL playoffs because it is solely based on winning percentage within your division within your conference whatever else but it's solely based on winning percentage. Whereas in the case of the college football playoff, it is not even majority primarily based on uh, winning percentage. It is primarily based on someone's decision, someone's human evaluation of how teams kind of stack up. So from that standpoint, you see ESPN do this a lot. Like ESPN the other day, and I think I made mention of this, that according to their playoff predictor, Alabama still has a 15% chance of making the playoffs a team that's already lost twice has no chance of being in the SEC championship, and somehow they have, you know, a, basically a one in six chance of making the playoff. That seems outrageous to me, and it kind of, to me anyway, suggests the the problem with trying to put a percentage chance on something that's a human decision. Uh, you know, maybe crazy things happen in Alabama. You know, could still, I guess, be in consideration here, but that seems kind of hard to imagine. But ultimately it's hard to predict what people sitting in a boardroom are going to do this is not like a winning percentage deal where where you do have a little bit more of an ability to kind of guesstimate how those games might play out but beyond that the point that ray brought up yesterday which i do think is really valuable is is that um you can certainly look at a scenario where it is not obvious that George would make the playoff if it were to lose. And that's really important. Like, even if we kind of like say, well, I'm not quite so sure 538 is exactly right here, it is still right enough that if you're Georgia, it would be a big, big mistake to leave your playoff fate in the hands of the committee. It would be a big mistake to believe that, hey, you've proven enough, you're going to be in the playoff, you can just trust the committee to do the right thing or what we some of us might perceive as the right thing. And that would be a big mistake. And this is one of those years in which it might be a little bit more difficult because if if TCU goes undefeated, whether there's, you know, uh, obviously there's you know a lot of business reasons why maybe, maybe TCU is not the most exciting team to have in the playoff, uh, there would be a lot of political pressure to take an undefeated Power 5 conference champion. And a lot of that pressure would come from kind of outside the Big 12. It'd be like, for instance, ACC schools who might be saying, well, hold on, if TCU goes undefeated, they can't make the playoff, then what chance does any of our teams have? That that there would be a lot of pressure to take a Power 5 undefeated conference champion in the playoff, whether people actually want them there or not. There'd be a lot of pressure to do that because it would – if you didn't, it would be a signal to a lot of teams in college football at that sort of TCU level 
of, well, you really don't have a chance here. You're just simply participating in a sport so other people can say they won a national championship. Your chances of doing that are essentially non-existent. So if TCU goes undefeated, which they might, uh, it would be very, very difficult to exclude them. And then when you look at the one-loss conference champions, you'd have potentially a team like Clemson who potentially would have beaten a pretty high-profile you know, Drake May, North Carolina team in an ACC title game if that were to happen. The big, the Pac-12 champion right now has a chance to be USC. That's about as high-profile a program as you can get. I believe the committee, the powers that be in college football, would love to have USC in the college football playoff. That's potentially a spot that's occupied. We know the Big Ten champ's going to be in it. You're left to wonder, well, is there two Big Ten teams in consideration? I think Ohio State, as an at-large team, probably gets an extra nod that Michigan, as an at-large, doesn't. Ohio State's just played a better non-conference schedule. It seems like Ohio State's got a little extra juice with the committee right now, too, which might aid them if they were in that at-large situation, having lost to Michigan um so it could get really interesting it it it, it possibly could and while i don't fully buy into some of these odds of so-and-so making the playoff it's at least real enough that it's probably smart for georgia not to play around here and leave its fate in the committee's hands so it's it's a really good point uh i was going to do some other comments but i've gone long on this let me just kind of wrap up for today and say we always appreciate you being a part of our podcast cool down and we appreciate rs andrews making it possible you can find rs andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning heating plumbing and electric needs they will show up on time do the work that's promised for the price that's promised water heater in many cases if it goes out rs andrews can replace it for you the same day so find them online at rsandrews.com you have a great day we'll say see you back here tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia we'll look forward to talking to you then everybody